I'm Chris Motes, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we try to cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. My guest today is Professor Joe Rutten. Joe teaches at Mount Marty University, where he serves as the director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute. He also serves as executive director of the Catholic Men's Business Fraternity, whose mission is to offer spiritual, human, intellectual, and leadership formation to business leaders in their work and daily life. Joe, welcome to the program today. That's great to be here, Chris. Thanks for the invite. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of that, that back-to-school time of year for you. I, I know you've got a, a, full, a full slate of students down there at Mount Marty, so I'm just grateful that you've taken a little time to visit uh, with me today. One of the things that, um, I mean, there's so much that you and I could talk about. Uh, you're just a, you're a great conversationalist, but one of the things I want to zero in on today is your work with the Catholic Men's Business Fraternity. I was just at your, your event last, uh, last, or at the beginning of the month with uh, Bishop DeGroote. He just gave a great, great talk to the, to the men. Um, but, but, but sound business principles have been uh, kind of a topic of conversation in the political world recently. And just given your, your interest in your work with the CMPF, I thought it was just really timely to kind of jump back into these. So maybe if you could just tell us to, to start where all stories start is at the beginning. Can you take us back to what's, what is the CMBF? And, and maybe give us a bit of the origin story too. Right. So um, I spent four years in undergraduate seminary at St. Thomas. I was going to be a priest. And in the process, I got my degree in Catholic studies, which was an interdisciplinary degree. So my curriculum was intended to have English and faith be brought together in relationship to one another, science mm-hmm. and faith. So all of my, my formation is meant to be integrated. So I was trained to see how parts relate to one another and to the whole in relationship to our pursuit of knowledge, truth, and wisdom. And in doing so, I then left the seminary, discerned out, started teaching high schoolers ethics. And in the process, I read an article about uh, a, a business guy that wanted to give away a million shirts. He had all this inventory in his basement, and he wanted to give them away to some country in Africa. And the African countries were like, you know, the people were like, we don't want your free stuff. Mm. And as I was reading this, I I became very compelled. I was like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Because at the end of the article, the, the business person was from Florida. They were really indignant. They were like, how, almost like mad at the people, like, how dare you deny our charity? And I thought, well, what's going on here? Why is it that, number one, this guy wants to give? Well, because just like we do, right? We have clothing drives and coat drives, and we do all this stuff at our Catholic schools and and seek to help those, right? Clothe the naked. This is a a, a corporal work of mercy. And so it it caused me to stop and begin thinking differently and, and asking questions about why is it that these folks don't want these free goods? Well, in the process, I got, uh, I got in touch with Acton Institute out in Michigan, which is a kind of religious free market think tank run by a Catholic priest. And I went out there and what I did was I discovered the answer to that question of why is it that the African countries don't want free stuff? It's because it destroys the market economy. 
they have people making shirts. They have textile companies. They have people making shoes. They have business. Yeah. What they don't need is us flooding their market with free stuff. And then no longer anybody needs to buy things from their own neighbor, which is in the business of producing these goods. And so it just gave me a new angle, a new vision, a new perspective. Uh, Tom Shoes is a perfect example. I can give an example with Tom Shoes. I'll tell that story later. But, you know, Tom's, Tom's Shoes, buy one, give one. All right. Well, that's great. But there's a cobbler in the community that's receiving all of the free shoes. Guess what happens to the cobbler when a thousand free pairs of shoes shows up and nobody in the village needs shoes anymore? Yeah. And it, so kind of the story you've just told, you know, of, of a market existing in the other part of the world and, you know, unwittingly we've undermined this through our, you know, good intentions. There, there are some real like Catholic principles at the heart of this. Yeah. And just my exposure to the, to the Catholic men's business fraternity is, is there's like really a, it, these, these principles are at the heart of some of the formation that is being offered and pursued I don't even want to say offered like it's McDonald's. You just drive up and I mean, these are men that are deeply engaged and personally right. invested. So here's what happened, Chris. I have this awakening and I realize, wait a minute. I know a lot of parents. I know a lot of fellas specifically who would be much more interested in church, quote unquote, yeah. in, in Catholicism. If they understood it in relationship to their life as business folks, as, as, as work, if I could take and have conversations with them about these types of circumstances and situations and then give them the language and the principles upon which you can build foundation blocks to give them a means by which they can think and articulate their own beliefs about business and about markets, I might have a, a home run here. So all I did, Chris, was combine a men's group with business principles, Catholic faith, Catholic social teaching principles, I just brought them together. So we get together monthly with Catholic men's business fraternity for a men's group, and we talk about Catholic social teaching and about virtue and how it applies to our lives personally and professionally so that we continue to create good goods and good services that overall serve the common good. All right, now we're on. Let's try it. And what happened, Chris, was the fellas just – ate it up. I mean, we get 40, 50 people a month showing up to, to virtuous business leader formation programs. Like there's nothing like this going on in the United States that I'm aware of. And all we're doing, Chris, is talking about Catholic social teaching, but we're not compartmentalizing it. Right. It's not like, let's give a theology discussion on dignity and the common good. No, no. Let's bring the business leaders together and talk about dignity and the common good and, and help them to see, judge, and act in a way which actually integrates these principles into their professional life. Well, see, judge, and act, that, that kind of little tagline, uh, if, if I recall correctly, that's, that's a phrase that's used in the vocation of the business leader, which right. is a document that's kind of foundational to the group. Do you want to say a few words about that document, the vocation of a business leader? And for folks tuning in, that's a, that's a document I'm going to link to in the show notes because uh, it's something that's really compelling and important. And I would encourage, especially people working in business, to go take a look. Right. So the vocation of the business leader is a, a document. It's, a, it's about 90 paragraphs long. They're pretty easily digestible. 
but it's the, the Pontifical Council for Peace and Justice out of the Vatican in collaboration with a number of different individuals, but particularly at the top of the list is Dr. Michael Naughton yep. out of St. Thomas and Catholic Studies up in the cities. And along with some business leaders and other academics, they got together and just put together a, a reflection book. It's a short paragraph reflection uh, about Catholic social teaching principles, particularly the four pillars of dignity, solidarity, common good, and subsidiarity, and how those principles play out for um, the business person. And they just give you a framework that says, see, judge, act. Take the principle, uh, look at it, observe it, seek to gain insight, then make judgments about it. Where is it applicable? How should it be applied? Uh, What's an excess of this principle look like? What's the deficiency of this principle look like? And then act. How do we put this into uh, a principle of action within ourselves personally as witnesses of Christ and corporationally or organizationally into our businesses, ultimately, so that business does what business was created to do, and that is to create human flourishing. And this is a business person's document. I would encourage people to, to, you know, we sometimes we get shaped by the maybe secular narrative and we hear words like uh, counsel for peace and justice. And we think of (laughs) an overpriced degree from some liberal arts college in New Hampshire or something like that. But like, no, these principles like justice, we're talking about deep, important principles of justice, like the rule of law, the importance of private property, also obligation to uh, to the poor and less fortunate. So it's like, this is, uh, this is really a full service document. Right. So what, what the document does is it basically says as a human person, Genesis tells us, we know that we were created in the Imago Dei. Mm. If we're created in the image of God and God is a creator God, therefore then we can, we can, we can make that logical progression. We too are creators. And then the scripture goes on. It tells us that we were given, stu- we, were, we became stewards. Mm. We have dominion over creation. So now we have a responsibility for the rest of creation. So we're creators and we're stewards. And if we bring those two together, we can steward creation in a way where we become co-creators with God and we can bring about flourishing and it's just a basic little theological principle. But what I found is business schools today, I think even at Catholic schools, don't attach these principles to their business curriculum. Well, in this, this principle of like human dignity too, we, we know like part of the teaching of the church is that, that work is dignified. And you've just taken us all the way back to Genesis, made in the image and likeness of God. And, and part of this original vocation of Adam, even before the fall, is, is to cultivate as a steward. Exactly. Exactly. Paragraph six of the vocation of the bit. Now there's two. They just came out with a new edition. You can get it free online. Yep. You can get this vocation of the business free, free online. Otherwise, they're like five bucks a copy. Uh, jump online and pick a bunch of them up. Give them out to everybody you know. It says in paragraph six. Six, the vocation of the business person. Well, Chris, you know how many guys I've talked to who never once ever considered that their professional life as a business person was a calling, that it was yes. a vocation. Tell, tell us more about that. 
because we, we hear vocation and we think like, oh, you're called to be a priest or you're called to be a nun or you're called to be a married person. But we're using this word vocation in the context of, of the labors of your hands. Say more about that. Right, right, right. So, so this paragraph six, I can just even read from right there. It says that this is a genuine human and Christian calling. So right here, the, the, the document is saying that this isn't just like, um, you know, it, we, nurses, are, nurses are dignified and teachers are dignified. These are real great callings and they're noble and we should honor them and lift them up. Well, now it's saying the business person is a calling too. We need to lift that vocation up. It says its importance in the life of the church and the world economy can hardly be overstated. I mean, they're leaning into this. They're just, they're not just saying, oh yeah, business folks, they're noble too. They're saying, no, 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 no. These folks are essential. You almost can't overstate how important they are to the common good of community. And it says they're called to conceive of and develop goods and services for customers and communities through a form of market economy. Mm. There we go. Oh, so what do we do with the creation of our good goods and good services? Oh, we need to put them at service of others, and we do this through a market. You know, and for if you're just jumping on, this is Chris Motes, host of Faith and Politics. I'm joined by Joe Rutten. Uh, Joe teaches at uh, Mount Marty University. He's also director of the Catholic Men's Business Fraternity. We're talking about some of these, these principles undergirding just sound business practices and business actually being a vocation um, where we can live out uh, our identity as disciples of Christ, as, as, as human beings, um, called to virtue, like in the business world. And if you're, if you're, if you're saying like, Hey, Chris, that's, this is all great stuff, but what's this have to do with politics? You know, before a show today, I printed out, uh, we've got like in all of our bills that get filed in the state of South Dakota, get indexed. So you can search them by like topic and just looking, I mean, it's a long, long list, this index, when you can look at like banks and bank, banks and banking, contracts, corporations, labor and employment, fees, food and drugs, fiduciaries and trusts, limited liability corporations, oil and gas, planning, zoning, property. I mean, I could go on. It's like these principles, they don't just like, um, they're not just important necessarily to your, your own shoe store or whatever it is. Like these principles can be like dynamically powerful for society as a whole. They're, they're not even, they're fundamental. They're, and this is part of where I think that this is not only a question of politics, this is a question of education. How are we educating individuals today? We compartmentalize them. Mm-hmm. So people are always like, oh, you know, keep, let's say abortion's the easy one. Like uh, they talk about like, you know, you're making it a political issue. Yeah. They say that about lots of things. Everything is a political issue. There is no such thing as a non-political issue. Politics is the organization, the governance of society, of a gathering of citizens, right? right? Every issue we have to talk about. The question that we have is what are the principles by which we begin to build human civilization? And what the church has said is they have said there are four clear principles yeah, I'm going to say four. It's the easy number. Yeah. There, there's these fundamental principles. Every human person has dignity. They're created in the image of God. They have dignity and they deserve respect. Rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter. Principle number one, right? Number yeah. two, 
We're in this together and there's a higher good. There's a greater purpose than just what meets the eye right here to your individual personal desires and even to your materialistic human earthly desires. There's a greater good and we call this the common good. There's something more together collectively that we need to consider when we act as individuals and as collectives and community. And then solidarity, man, we're brothers and sisters. No man is an island. We need to come together as brothers and sisters. And there comes that deal that says, you know what? When your brother is down and out, when your sister is down and out, those are the people you wanna look out for especially. So if somebody's sick in the family, you know what? You make them soup, right? They get to lay yeah. in bed for the day. They get to be cared for a little bit, but with the intention that they're gonna get up and, you know, get back at it here the next day or what, you know, but you care for one another as brothers and sisters in solidarity and solidarity is the name of the, the workers union party in Poland that Jan Stierzynski started that really brought about the fall of communism yes. in the modern world today. He called it solidarity, right? Right. And then the fourth one is subsidiarity, this principle of management and task assignments that we need to allow people to accomplish what they're capable of doing, what's in front of them, based upon their own God-given gifts and their training skills and talents in a way that we don't micromanage people and we don't operate from the top down. Catholicism is very much a bottom-up institution, and this principle says you start where the issue is, and then from there, if you need assistance, then you move up to higher levels of organization of society, and this is where politics comes in, right? Because yeah. politics has to have a proper, uh, uh, a proper deployment. When yeah. ought we to deploy certain levels of society to get the good accomplished? Well, you know what? At the core of the societies is the family, right? And then we right. go from there. And at the largest one, you might have things like the United Nations and these larger government bureaucracies, right? Those should be the last resort and only on issues that like require global communities in order to solve them. And, and sometimes I think in politics, we kind of can, can go from the top down. We yes. can want the federal government to do things for us that we rightfully should be doing ourselves or, or that the states should be doing themselves, right? Somebody talked about Christy Nome, and I know I don't, but somebody said, oh, I can't believe Christy Nome denied the something money from the, the federal government. Well, I don't know the details. All I know is when I heard that, I, I wanted to say, well, all right, tell me more because a governor ought to say no to federal government sometimes. Sometimes there is a reason that a, a state would say, you know what, we don't need that. There, there might be a place for that. So that deliberation, that ability to have principles to reflect upon how to best act and create just and, and flourishing communities is something I find deeply missing, deeply lacking within politics um, and, you know, just within life in general. So. Well, to go back even to like the virtue formation that the CMBF is doing, you, you've got these four cardinal virtues and we say that prudence, you know, the classical formulation is that prudence is the charioteer of, of, of all the virtues or as Aquinas put it, how do, how do you put it? It's the, it's the linchpin that sort of links the others together. Right. I remember one of your, one of your speakers, you do these CMBF, um, faith and business conferences we could talk about a little bit. But you, you had this guy, Mike, uh, Michael Miller, back 2017 oh, yeah. um, from the Acton Institute, doing a great, a great, he gave a great talk, but he quoted Joseph Pieper on prudence, seeing the world as it is and acting accordingly. You know, in your, 
your colleague there at Mount Marty University, uh, Professor uh, Jason Heron, likes to describe describe prudence like uh, Brett Favre in the pocket, right. um, where it's like, you no, know, you actually have to make a decision. You have right. to you have to get the read, right. and and you have to make a decision with the football. Um, so it's like prudence living that virtue well is making a good decision based on what is. Can you maybe, just because you brought up like this, yeah, okay, the, the interrelation between state and federal government or just politics in general, right. the virtue of prudence is so important. Can you maybe offer just a, a thought on prudence? Right. So prudence is, is, you know, this mother virtue, if you will, that kind of looks over, over these other virtues. And it, two things. Number one, you talked about truth and reality. Mm. It is very important here that the common good in Catholic social teaching must be based on truth. There's a fundamental attachment to truth here. You can't just, it's not just a percentage, a majority. It's um, So when we look at this idea of prudence, what we're looking at is saying that the principles give us the ability to think clearly, to understand better rightly about how to create just societies. But the virtues... These classical virtues are the ones that actually form our nature and make it possible for us as, as free individuals that act to actually do that. So my ability to, uh, to, to say, stand up for a law that maybe is not popular in society, well, that requires the virtue of courage, this fortitude, right? So, so the virtues like enable us to be actors to do the good. And prudence is, is a beautiful one because what prudence does is prudence allows us to look backward. The classical picture of prudence by Raphael at the, in the Vatican, it's, it's, it has a woman looking in a mirror mm. in front of her. And then if you look closely on the back of her head is an old man. It's a mm. two-headed figure. There's an old man on the back of the head looking behind. And this represents that prudence, also called practical wisdom, mm. what's the best way to accomplish the goal, to accomplish the end, to accomplish the, the key result you're looking for. That's the virtue of prudence. And it looks back for past experiences, for past history, for things that have been done before, so that you can take from those experiences the lessons you learned of what is good and what is bad, and yeah. you can deploy the, that experience for the new circumstance in front of you to yes. accomplish the good. So prudence is simply, it's, it's being wise and yeah. making good practical decisions. And it's founded principally not in long deliberation necessarily. Prudence can be enacted in a split second, yeah. just like Jason Heron talked about. A quarterback in the pocket in a split, split second makes a decision. But it's because he's he's re, he's using he's all of that past experience, yes. that training, that, and he's deploying it in action in a split second. That is the gift of prudence. And so, a business person can sit at a at an executive table and very quickly make prudent decisions if they have trained themselves and they are using their experience. They can be be wonderful, wonderful leaders even in a moment at a table. Now personality might determine that some people need longer time to deliberate yeah. like my brother sure. father paul right yeah. father paul you ask him a question and he says get back to me in a month <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know personality's that way but point being prudence isn't just about thinking 
It's about acting. Yeah, and I appreciate too that I'd never uh, seen that image before or heard it referenced, but yet we've got this, the old man, the symbol of wisdom because he's kind of looking into the yes. behind. Yep. And I think there can be a temptation too in politics to just be looking at the last election cycle or even, you know, looking at 1968 or within recent memory. But in fact, we need to be looking back, back, back. You know, I'm struck by my patron saint, Thomas More, was deeply steeped in Augustine and right. deeply steeped in Cicero. Augustine loves Cicero right, too. Right, right. Amen, brother. So, Game on. Um, yeah, so we got to actually be going way, way back. That, and that's something I've been thinking about lately, just as we, you know, people are wondering, are we going through an epical change just in, in terms of um, modes of governance and in our, in our country. And, and, and I'm thinking like, well, what are these, what is good governance? What does that mean? And I'm, you know, I can, I can, I can pick up um, and, and read some of the memos to Nixon to le- learn a little bit about governance, but I can also go back and read some Cicero and Augusta. Oh, you more. better, you better, yeah. Chris. This yes. is part of the, so this is classical Western education. Western education is not, Western education is simply about a foundation of Greek philosophical paideia education with, yeah. the, with the Christians coming along and saying, like Augustine, saying, you know what, this stuff is good. Let's take this and let's build on it to create a Christian civilization for the good. There's so much there that we could just keep talking about, Chris. Uh, I'd love to come on again sometime when we have more time, I'm sure. Let, time let's do it. We've, you know, we've got a couple minutes left, about, about two minutes or so remaining. Maybe, you know, just by way of wrapping up, do you want to tell us a little bit about what's going on at, at Mount Marty University? I know you've oh, got yeah. this kind of new project with Mike Farrell. Maybe, maybe say a word or two about that for a minute. Right. So uh, Mount Marty, I, I'm a faculty in the humanities department in philosophy and theology, and I also run this Benedictine Leadership Institute, and we've created a certificate program of integrated leadership where we're training uh, professionals, you know, uh, police officers, firefighters, entrepreneurs, uh, CEOs, healthcare executives, a whole wide range of professional life uh, in the integrated life. What does it mean to be a human person? Who are we as people that, that work and create good goods and good services? And how do we do this individually, communally, and then integrate it organizationally into the different spheres of social institutions in our community, ultimately, so that we create flourishing individuals, flourishing communities that serve Christ in the common good. It's, you know, a, a, a new program we've developed. We think we're onto something here. It's really good. If anybody's interested, uh, I'd love to get, get, get you more information. Just reach out. But what we're missing here, Chris, is we're missing the integration of the of the rest of our human experience into business practices. We have to stop compartmentalizing our education. We have to teach and train people how to look at history and then apply those lessons to the circumstances of their professional life. Same thing with medical ethics, so forth. And it begins with who am I as a human person? What does it mean to be human? And that I believe is fundamentally What's most broken about Western society today is we don't truly understand who we are. Well, your work is certainly interesting and compelling and, and worthy of our prayers. I pray for your work, your work with the students often. Joe Rudden, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it, Chris. Thank you. And to your audience, uh, may the good Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. So, and thank you, dear listeners, for, for tuning in once again. If you, uh, if you like this show, if you didn't like it, don't hesitate to reach out. I love hearing from, uh, hearing from listeners, getting feedback. You can go to SD Catholic Conference. 
www.ghostbusters.org and let us know what you thought or what you want to hear next time. Until next time, live well. Live well.